0: Would you turn in your Bible, please, <clears throat> to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And here we find, I think, some of the saddest words in the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> this morning we talked about the man God uses. Tonight, why do men go away from God? The greatest honor in all the world is to be chosen to be a follower or disciple of the Lord Jesus. That great privilege has never been bestowed upon angels, nor cherubs, nor any of the heavenly hosts. One would think that such a high and noble position would be granted only to the elite or to the deserving, only to those who were clean and pure. Yet God's word declares in Romans 5.8, God did not choose the righteous of this world, but rather sinners. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Surely it is unthinkable that one who is chosen by Christ, invited to the great marriage feast of the Lamb, should ever say no to the Master, should ever go away from Christ. And yet some do. There may be someone in this very room tonight who is about to go away from Christ. There are two ways of going away from Christ. One is to come near him and feel the tug of God at your heart and know that he's dealing with your soul and to just turn him off and say, no, not tonight, not now, some other time, and you turn and go away. Tragic, wasted lives, a wasted eternity. And there are still others who come and put their faith and trust in Christ and come to know him personally as Savior. They live for a while with him and for him and walk with God And then somehow the going gets tough, and it's difficult, and the trial's on every hand, and the discouragements come, and Satan moves into your life to try to lay your honor in the dust. And some men and women and young people have turned and gone away from Christ. The 2nd Timothy chapter 4 is one of the great chapters of the Bible. It is Paul's farewell address, you might say. He begins it by saying, Timothy, preach the word. I charge you to preach the word and do the work of an evangelist. The time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine. And then he says, for the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly to me. We get in on the inside of Paul's heart. So many times in Paul's writing, he's bragging on Jesus. He's giving us wonderful doctrinal treatises. He's giving us tremendous truths that live a thousand and thousands of years. And then in the next breath, he bears his soul. He says to Timothy, I'm alone. I know what, it, I know what our Lord went through at the cross when everybody left him. He says in verse 10, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica. To me, those are the saddest words in the Bible. Amen. Demas is mentioned in Philemon. He is mentioned in Colossians. He is mentioned two or three places in the Scripture as an associate of the Apostle Paul. He was a man who served the Lord. Whether his coming to Christ was genuine and real, we will not know till we get to glory. We dare not judge. All we know is that Paul trusted Demas. He loved him. He mentioned him a number of times as a close associate. He never dreamed that he would go away. And now Paul is in a lonely prison. In Rome, the last word we hear from Paul's word and from his tongue and from his pen is 2 Timothy chapter 4. And he says, Timothy, please come. Please come. Demas, you remember Demas? You remember Demas? I loved him. I poured a lot of my life into him. He was my associate. We worked together, we prayed together, we walked together, we bled together. But Timothy, Demas hath forsaken me. He's gone, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica. Why do men go away from God? Why can you literally pour your life's blood into someone and you care for them and you love them and they work with you and you believe in them and then they just leave. They turn and go away. I know some husbands that have had to face this when their wife, whom they love very, very dearly and there is no perfect man, there is no perfect woman. There's no man that is the perfect example of a man. There is no lady who is a perfect example of a lady. We're all sinners. we come to the marriage altar, we promise, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, I will love and cherish till God by death shall separate us. And I I know some men who have had to go through what Paul went through when the dearest one on earth to them left, went out have no more to do with them. I know some dear precious ladies whose husband they trusted and loved, cared for, the father of their children, had just one day left. No more cared for them, deserted them. There are no harder words to take. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And the Lord Jesus had to face this with Judas Iscariot. Judas was one of those twelve who was called to work with the Lord. Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, Matthew, and others. Judas. And one day, Judas made a deal with the enemies of the Lord. He had to know them. He had to hang around with them a little bit. He had to get his mind off of God. And he made a money deal to betray and sell his best friend. The greatest friend a man ever could possibly have is the Lord of glory. And Judas made a deal to swap the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. Sometimes we think, Judas Iscariot, what kind of person were you? But you would do such an honoring, mean trick as that. And yet there are men and women in this very audience tonight who are right on the brink of going away from God, doing to the Lord Jesus what Judas Iscariot did, doing to the Lord Jesus what Demas did to Pilate, did to Timothy and to Paul, and doing <clears throat> what a husband who promised, I'll be with you all the rest of your life, doing what a husband does, what he... Takes out on his wife, or a wife does when she takes out on her husband. The Bible tells us that to err is human. This is not an exact quote from the Bible, but it certainly is inferred all the way through the Bible. To err is human, but to forgive is divine. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we're under severe obligation in the Word of God to forgive one another to care for one another, and not to hold grudges against somebody who has hurt us. Demas hath forsaken me. Why do men go away from God? Why is it that in this room tonight, there may be someone who has come close to to Christ? You have come close to the cross. You have heard these wonderful songs as Bob has given them to us from his, his heart. You've heard the word of God over and over and over again. You've heard God speak to your soul. And your heart has been gripped. And you were about to step out for Christ and then Satan puts a block in the way and you turn and go out into the night going away from God. Why would you do that? Why would a person who has had his sins atoned for in the blood who has been to Calvary for forgiveness and cleansing, and Christ lives in his heart. And then he begins to play with the world and the flesh and the devil. And he gets a hankering to go back to the old cold world that never could satisfy, never could do anything for him to begin with. But he turns and goes back. I want to give you just a few reasons what I think the Scripture speaks of, and I'll not talk long, but I pray that God will lay this on our hearts tonight. Why do men go away from Christ? First of all, I believe they go away because of public opinion. Would you turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 26, beginning with verse 58? But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's court and went in and sat with the guards to see the end. Verse 69. Now Peter sat outside in the court, and a maid came to him, saying, This thou also was one with, with was with Jesus of, Na- of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he had gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto him, Thou wast there. This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art also one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, who said unto him, Before the cock crows, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Simon Peter began to follow Jesus afar off. When anybody who has ever come to Christ and found in him cleansing and forgiveness begins to follow the Lord afar off, he has a distance between himself and God. He begins to keep company with the world. He likes the picture show rather than the meeting. He enjoys the hankering after the things that the world enjoys when that world never did anything for you but cause bitterness and hurt in your soul. And you begin to walk away from God. I've told you the story before <coughs> years ago when I was in Guthrie, Kentucky. There was a young boy named Charlie. He got saved. And God changed him in a marvelous way. Summer came. And he was a member of the National Guard. In those days, they didn't fly to their places. They went on trains. I went down to the train station to see Charlie off. I gave him a little testament. I said, "Charlie, I want you to keep this testament in your pocket." And I want you to identify yourself as a Christian, wherever you go. You let people know that you're a Christian. If you keep that little testament there, it'll be a sort of a badge of honor. People may kid you about it, but they'll look and say, what's that bulge? And instead of it being a pack of cigarettes, it'll be a Bible. He got on the train. He was gone three or four weeks, and maybe a month. He came back to Guthrie. I noticed he didn't come to church on Sunday morning. He didn't come on Sunday night. I went to find him he sort of hid from me you know when you get something wrong in your life you hide from the preacher and he hid from me I found him I said Charlie something's wrong I know you you'd gone with me soul winning you've been with me to make hospital visits Charlie you love Jesus what's happening And Charlie said, Preacher, I'm not even worthy to talk to you. Yes, you are, Charlie. I'm nothing, just a man. I care about you because God put you on my heart. He said, Well, Preacher, when I got on that train, there was a group of guys over here playing cards. I sat over here by myself, and they were playing cards, and they asked me to come over and join them. I told them I didn't want to do it. Well, come on over, sissy. What's wrong with you? Come on over and join us. And he said, I couldn't take that. And I went over and sat down with them. And after a while they gave me some cards, a deck of cards to play, hand of cards. And then he said they pulled out their beer and they began to drink. And they offered me some and they said I said, No, I don't want to drink. And they said, Well, come on, are you tied to your mother's apron string or something? What's wrong with you? Come on, take a drink. And Charlie said I didn't want to do it, but I couldn't stand that pressure. And I took the drink. He said, Preacher, I've spent this whole three or four weeks gambling and drinking and carousing. And not one of those guys knew I was a Christian. And I'm ashamed to go to church. I've deserted God. We got down on our knees. I knew that Charlie knew the Lord. He was genuinely God's son. And we prayed. And Charlie confessed his sins to God. And I believe God forgave him. He came back. But the reason he went away was because of public opinion. He was afraid of what others would think. Dear friend, can you imagine facing the Lord of glory the one who died on the cross for our sins, and Christ who is real to us, who is genuine to us, we're ashamed of him because four, or five, or 10, or 15, 20 people make fun of us. There's another reason why people go away from Christ. That's because of personal ambition. In Matthew chapter 19, beginning with verse 16, and behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what, shall I, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? He said unto him, Why call ye me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter life, keep the commandments. And he said, which ones? And Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love the neighbor as thyself. And the young man said, all these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? And Jesus said, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell what thou hast, and give it to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He had other plans for his life. There are men and women who go away from God because they have their own dibbies on life. They have their own plans. They have their own schemes. They have their own blueprints. And I don't want God to distill me from this. The man that won me to Jesus wanted to be an actor. He was at Washita University, Washita College then in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. And they offered him a scholarship in acting and uh, someone from Hollywood came and invited him to come to Hollywood for a screen test. He had a battle in his heart because he was a Christian. And there was the desire of the world and the flesh and the devil to go into the movies. He got alone with God one night and God won the victory. And instead of going into the movies, he said, Lord, I'll preach the glorious Amen. gospel. And he went on to graduate from there and went to the seminary. And later God used him to touch my life. Amen. You see, God has a blueprint, a plan for your life. There are some men and women in this room tonight who want their son or their daughter to go into some kind of business or some kind of the thing where they can get, get some economic prowess or get some influence, and so on. And I want to tell you the greatest thing you can do in the whole world is to say, Lord, here's my son, here's my daughter. I put him on the altar for God. I want you to use him. I heard somebody say one time, I don't want to go to Glendale because all the young people have to become preachers or missionaries. Well, that isn't true. I want you to do what God wants you to do. But my friend, if God has called you, if he has called you to preach the word of God, if he's called you to be a missionary, if he's called you to put your life on the line for God, don't or go away from God. You'll never accomplish what God wanted you to do with your life unless you put it in the circle and center of his will. I found this news article, a successful businessman gave the story of his life in these words. I was but 17 years of age when I reached a crisis in my life. Coming home from Sunday evening service, I stepped into our city park. I stood under one of the trees. And while I was there, the Spirit of God manifested himself to me and said, I want you to be a minister of the gospel. But I answered, I cannot do that. I have no education. However, the Spirit of God insisted again, I want you to be a minister of the gospel. Again, I protested, my parents need the money, which I'm earning at the factory where I work. Time after time, the Spirit of God strove with me. Over and over, he called me to be a preacher. As often as he called me, I answered no. At last, as God wrestled with me, I made my decision and said no, I will never preach. In that moment, the Spirit of God seemed to leave me. I do not know how long I'd been standing there, but I found I was drenched with perspiration. It seemed there must have been a pool at my feet where the perspiration streamed from my body. The evening breeze felt cold and I shivered and went home in the dark. Never from that moment to this have I felt the Spirit of God strive with me as He did that night. God has seen fit to prosper me I've built up great manufacturing business. I've made millions of dollars. I've given away millions to churches and charities. But all of my life, I've been like thousands of young men and women at their lathe, at their shop bench, their office desk, a mere slave to my job. I have never known and have never done the work God had for me to do in the world. I taught a large Sunday school class. I supported the church, but I never knew and never did the work to which the Spirit of God was calling me that night in the park when I was 17 years of age. Men go away from God because of personal ambition. They have their own plans, their own blueprints, their own ideas about their life. And they never let God have complete charge and control. You say, preacher, are you saying that everybody that serves the Lord has to go into preaching and missionary service? I don't know whether I'm saying that or not. It depends on what you mean by preaching and missionary service. Do I mean that everybody that goes into the Lord's service has to stand behind a pulpit? No. Do I mean by that that everybody that goes into the Lord's service has to go to Africa or Japan or to some home mission field? No. But I do believe that everyone that comes and gives his life totally to God, whatever he does, whether he's a grocery man, a lawyer, a congressman, whatever he is, his main business is telling others about Jesus Christ. And so he becomes a preacher and a missionary serving God. But so many have withdrawn and resisted the Spirit's tug and have said no because they were afraid. There's another reason Men, go away from God. Turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 9. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed in stony places, the same is he that heareth the word and immediately with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath no root in himself, but endureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, immediately he is offended. He also the received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this age, and the deceitfulness of riches choketh the word, and he becometh unprofitable. The pull, the pull of the world. In First John chapter 2, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Men go away from Christ because of the tug of the world. What gets you excited? Now I want to tell you, some of you think that I'm inhumane and inhuman when it comes to ball games. I know what you say behind my back. I hear you characters. You know, walls have ears. I will tell you, <clears throat> before I yielded my life to Jesus Christ, I, w- I went to manual high school. And anybody that's from Louisville knows the rivalry, the original rivalry between mail and manual. I was right in the middle of all that. One, every Thanksgiving we played a great big game. The police always had to come. Because the manual people, if they couldn't win the game, would storm and beat everybody up over at mail. And if mail couldn't win the game, they came down to Brook and Oak, and invaded Manual High School. And I was right in the middle of all that before I rededicated my life to Jesus. And I loved the games. To this very day, I think I'd rather see a football game than almost any kind of athletic contest going. I like the way they get up there and beat each other up, (laughs) roll each other in the mud, and mean to each other. Uh, I guess it takes out all the frustrations, like those guys, the preachers, that go out on Monday to play golf. And they put this golf ball down here and say, that's Deacon so-and-so. Bang! <clears throat> put a golf ball over here and say, that's Sister so-and-so. Bang! Well, i tell you, I don't do that. I don't play golf, but I understand what they do. But I want to tell you something. When I gave my life to Jesus, everything just changed. I used to hate school. I began to love school. I rededicated my life to Jesus. Listen, young people, don't rededicate your life and then make it just so so cheap a thing that the next day you're out doing the same old things. I gave my life back to God. I'd already been saved. And I said, Lord, help me. Help me. I don't know what you want me to do, but help me. I'm not doing good in school. I don't even like school. I'd like to quit. I asked God to help me. And you know what he told me to do? in my heart nobody else told me this i think you can get along with god and god can talk to you and god said you go and sit on the front row and you listen to everything the teacher says just keep your eyes on the teacher keep up in every assignment and don't miss one day of school and folks i began to do that and i graduated from high school in three and a half years two and a half years and i got on the honor roll And I got a little pin called the National Honor Society. And I'm not bragging on this stuff tonight. I'm just telling you, God can change you. And he changed everything about my desires and my ambitions. And I began to want to serve the Lord. And to give to him everything I am or have. And that's not very much if you only knew. When I was a young boy, I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. I, they'd all sing. My brothers and sisters would get over there. They all had the natural talent. And they'd get over here and sing, and I'd try to sing with them. They'd say, well, you stand over there on that side of the room. <laughs> and when I rededicated my life to God, I said, God, what I have, not much, but I give it to you. Amen. And God began to work in my heart. It wasn't just an easy thing. I had to study hard. I was talking to one of our students who's in the seminary. They were saying they had a tough time with Greek and Hebrew. I said, you won't have a tough time if you do what I did, and I don't have any extra brains. All I did was use some judgment. I got my Greek and Hebrew classes all planned for one o'clock in the afternoon. And then I I had a job all the way through the seminary. I worked from five in the evening to midnight. I did my studying after midnight, and then I had the classes at 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock and all those things, you know, and then I had a lunch period. I never ate lunch in the seminary. I went to the library and studied Greek all through lunch, and when I get into that 1 o'clock Greek class, I was ready for them. I had it all ready. Every day, they'd give a pop test, and I'd make A's on it. They couldn't figure out how to do that. I came out making A's in Greek and Hebrew, two of the hardest subjects in seminary. Not because I'm smart or sharp, but because I said, Lord, I want you to be first in my life. I want to do what God wants me to do. And that's my appeal to you tonight. Some people go away from God because they get discouraged over grades and over over tough times in school. I want to say to you tonight, anybody who wants to serve God can do it. Anybody who is willing to place your life on the altar for Christ, you can do it. And you don't have to get defeated and discouraged over some poor grades you got. Just get a right with God and say, Lord, if it kills me, I'm going to class. And I'm going to listen. I'm going to sit on the front bench. And I'm going to get everything I can out of this class. And you'll come out with A's and they'll be scratching their fingers and heads and saying, I don't know what happened to this guy, but he's different. And you know what makes you different? Jesus Christ. Jesus Jesus, Jesus. And I love him tonight. And unashamedly, I would lay on your heart tonight, don't go away from God. I'm going to bring this message to a close. I could preach two hours on it. But listen, there are some of you right here tonight who are right on the brink of being a Demas. I do not know whether Demas was saved or not. I like to think he was. A saved man never gets away with sin. You turn and go away from God, and God will deal with you right here. There's no no avoiding that. If you're not saved, you can turn away from God, and you can sort of get your mind off of the things of God. I've talked to people who have done that. And then they go out to the very end of life, and you plead with them and beg them to give their hearts to Christ, and they say, no, I just don't have that feeling and I don't have that interest. I talked to a man not long ago, shortly before he died, and I pled with him to give his life to Jesus. And he said, no, preacher. Years ago I wanted to do that, but I'm not interested now. I don't have that feeling in my heart. What they meant was I don't have that tug of God in my heart. Because they said no to God. And there comes a day when you sin away your day of grace. And God all day long holds his hand out to you and says, Come, come, come. But you can say no one time too many. And you turn and go away from God. And God says, all right. All right. And he stands back. And he lets you go. And what a tragedy it is to stand at a funeral at a casket with a standing before a man that told you that. And knowing that he's going out to meet God, a God who all day long stretched out his hand and urged him to come, but he said no. Now if you're a Christian, if you're saved, and you're turning away from God, you're going away from God, now how do you know when you're going away from God? Well, your affections for the things of God get cold. Cold. You don't enjoy church like you used to. You say, well, I don't want to get much out of it. They don't feed me over there. You ever heard that? That has nothing to do with the Sunday school teacher. has nothing to do with the preacher. has nothing to do with the church. has everything to do with the person. Amen. Right. Anybody that loves God can sit down with the Word of God. Even if a jackass is up there talking, he can get something from the Word of God. He can get fed by the Word of God. But these people go away from God, they get cold affections. Right. Not interested spiritually. They begin to find it easy to say, well, I can't teach this year. I can't do this this year. I can't work with the RAs this year. I can't buy or drive a bus anymore. I can't serve in this place. I can't be a Sunday school teacher. I can't be a coordinator. I can't do all this stuff anymore. We had a man in our church years ago. I loved him. He was very, very dear to my soul. I loved him. We used to go soul winning together. He was one of our... Inner, inner circle. One day he came to me and said, Preacher, I've been working with the RAs and I can't work with them anymore. Uh, my schedule's too busy. Now, he'd been doing that for several years. I said, that's a dangerous thing. What are you going to do instead of working with the RAs? Well, he said, I'm just going to come to prayer meeting. That'll be easier on me. After a while, I noticed he dropped out of prayer meeting. It wasn't long till he came and said, now, Preacher, I've, I've been working with this group in training union, And you know, I just can't do that anymore. I don't have time. He dropped out of training. After a while, noticed he wasn't coming to church on Sunday night. And then he came and said, "Uh, "Preacher, I can't uh, be involved in this Sunday school work anymore. I just don't have time. The time I give my time to my family and all these other things, I just in my job. I just don't have time." Now, this is a man that many in our church expected any day to walk down the aisle and say, God's called me to preach. He said, no, I can't do that anymore. I called him in one day, and we sat down and prayed together, and I loved this man. I wasn't ugly to him. I loved him. I said, friend, you can't treat God like that. When you start leaving off this this and this and this and this and this and this and this, You're not doing anything for the Lord. You're not doing anything in His name. And pretty soon you're going to lose all interest in the things of God. That very same thing happened. He began to nip at the bottle. He began to have all kinds of unholy alliances. And one day, just suddenly, without warning, a heart attack took him out of life. I'm saying to you, You can't treat God like that. He that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. A man who goes away from God and stops doing the things that God's Holy Spirit deals with his heart to do, God is going to deal with him right here. You know this story. But I want to tell it again. I feel like God led me to tell it again tonight. Dear Brother Houchins told me this story. A number of years ago, he was pastor out in the county. Had a faithful couple in his church that loved Jesus and served God and taught Sunday school. They ran a grocery. One day, a preacher missed him from church. Went by that week to see them. They said, well, we've decided to keep our store open on Sunday. We can't come every Sunday. Now, we're going to take turns, and one will come one Sunday, one will come another Sunday. We can't come every Sunday like we used to. You know, we've got to make a buck. The wise Brother Houchin said, no, you don't need to make a buck. You need to be faithful. Why? Well, you mean that fanatical preacher was telling them they didn't have to work? They have to keep that store open, I say? Yeah, he was pretty fanatical, and I agree with him. Amen. I like him. Well, after a while, Beard came back in, and the preacher went by one day and looked in the store, and there was beer in the store. He said, what in the world is this in here? Well, they said, preacher, we can make pretty good money on that, and we'll have more money to give to the church, and, and uh, it's just uh, what we're going to do. And the preacher said, sir, get rid of that. Give your life back to God. Ooh! Preacher, I'm not going away from God. We're not doing anything wrong. Everybody does that. What didn't you know? Wake up. All the stores are open on Sunday, and all the stores are selling beer. And the preacher said, But God don't want you to do that. One evening, one evening, phone rang at Brother Houchin's house. The woman on the other end of the line said, Preacher, please come. My boy is dead. He went quickly. Her son, their son, had been out on Barren River, and the boat capsized. And their son, who was a good swimmer, drowned. They went to the funeral home. At the funeral, this woman, a Christian, almost went out of her mind. She stood by the casket and reached down and tried to pull the body of her boy out of the casket. And she kept saying, I killed my boy. I killed my boy. I killed my boy. And so folks would say, no, you didn't, honey. You didn't kill him. He he just died. Oh, I killed him. I got away from God. I got away from God. And my boy has gone to hell because I quit taking him to church. And he never did get saved. Out at the funeral. Out at the graveyard, when they began to lower that grave, that body, that that casket, the lady said, please open the casket one more time and let me look. And they opened the casket, and, and that lady tried to get down in the casket with her son, going out of reality. Six months went by, and that lady picked up a revolver and destroyed herself. A Christian, a Sunday school teacher, one who had been a faithful member of the church, but one who went away from God. My friend, you can't do that. Why do men go away from God? Personal ambition, public opinion, the pull of the world, the lust of the flesh, the desires and pride of life. And where do you go when you go away from God? Where could I go but to the Lord? And they leave God out. If they're saved, they can't get by with it. And not one person in this room tonight can ever get by with going away from God. If God has saved you by His grace and has tugged at your heart and called you to serve Him, by God's mercy, yield your all to Him and stay close to the heart of God if you're lost. You've never confessed Jesus as your Savior. You go away from God. You're close to Him tonight. See, God is dealing with you. God brought you here. It's no accident you're in the house of God tonight. God brought you here. But if you turn and go out into the night away from God, you have no assurance that you'll ever hear that tug at your heart again. And you may go out into an eternity separated from God Let's pray. Our Father, please take these feeble words from a voice that could hardly talk and drive the message of God's Word into hearts. We pray that someone into whose heart the devil has sown disobedience, coldness would turn and come back to the Lord tonight. Say, Lord, here's my life. I give it to you. And somebody who is about to go out into the night running the peril and risk of his own soul may he come back to Christ now and yield his life to Jesus. We pray it in his precious holy name. Amen. Will you stand, please? Let's turn to page 252. Come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord. He will surely give you rest by trusting in His Word. This is God's invitation. I want to plead with you to come. 252. When you find that song, look here just a moment. The invitation will not be a long invitation unless the Lord leads otherwise, but I want to ask you to hasten to Jesus tonight. Put your life on the line for God. Someone here tonight may just need to come and kneel and pray and say, Lord, I want to give my life to you. I don't ever want to go away from the Lord. I want to run to him. Flee into the arms of Jesus and not away from him. Somebody here tonight may need to walk down this aisle and say, I want to put my life on the line for Christ and ask him to use me. And he will use you. He'll use you. You may not know what he wants you to do, but if you'll stay close to him, you can't miss the will of God because he wants to show it to you. There's some here tonight who have had coldness in your heart and you've been saved in years gone by, but you've allowed the devil to sell you a counterfeit. You're not happy. You're just miserable inside and you need to give your life back to Jesus. Will you do it? And there are some here who if you go away from God tonight, you're going into hell forever separated from God you'll never maybe never get a chance to be saved again I plead with you to come to Christ Christians pray while we begin to sing who'd step out for the King Christ Jesus will you come right now